as uh, MLA from Madurai and as a descendant of a long-term family in public service identified with Madurai. Let me first welcome all of you to this 31st biennial zonal council meeting of the South Zone, which I'm told comprises Tamil Nadu, Kerala and Pondicherry of the National Federation of Insurance Field Workers. I uh, apologize that I can only stay for a little while because I just landed, come straight here from the airport and have a few more events. But I see my fellow MLA, Rubhumi Nadan, Madurai South, is here and will stay with you through the proceedings. This is the second time I've been invited to address uh, some subset of insurance field workers. I think once earlier when I was in MLA in a different part of town, much smaller gathering than this. And at that time there was a picture of uh, Che Guevara and Fidel Castro in the background. And I said, on one hand, it's very incongruous that a former banker like me, kind of uh, bred in the capitalist system, should come and speak at such events. But in some other way, as somebody who uh, went overseas to places where my family name was not known, and built my own career based on education, based on hard work, based on perseverance. Then I said in my mind also I identify as a worker and therefore I'm more than happy to come and speak there. In that sense, I think the convener and president here, Joseph Suresh Rajkumar, the general secretary, Sir Kumar, the president of the South Zone, S.A. Anand, the Zone Secretary. And I just met the national president and the national secretary general, who was explaining a lot of the issues and the structure of your organization. I congratulate you on being an undivided trade association for 67 years. It is uh, no easy thing in today's world where politics seems to drive a lot of associations or splits in associations. But in a way, it's uh, critical that you have all stayed together because I think we are at a time of great flux, of great change. Change in our democracy, change in the way our society functions and certainly change in the insurance business and in particular on the national insurance companies, especially LIC. Now, even most capitalists would agree that there is a clear space, a clear need for a mutual risk, cooperative sharing type of organization, particularly in the 
kind of collective risk management business, life insurance, accident insurance, where individual losses or necessities can be huge, but probability of events are very low. And therefore, the collective can effectively distribute this risk in a way that is probably more efficient than a profit-seeking company or the government directly. That was the basis of a lot of the insurance model, as you know, starting in the days of ensuring the shipment of goods in colonial trade, and then mutual societies for housing insurance and so forth, starting from Scotland and then propagating to other parts of the world. In the case of India, our model delivered some really interesting and value-added organizations, and I think LIC is clearly one of them, both in terms of uh, providing such cost-effective and uh, high-quality service risk-sharing in a mutual way, as well as then becoming such a behemoth in the financial services industry that they were actually active players in the public financial securities markets and at different times even supported market liquidity or government requirements in terms of instability or volatility. Unfortunately, we are at a very strange time in our democracy these days. On the one hand, we are seeing the accumulation, the agglomeration, the authoritarian aggregation of power in the hands of one or two people across the country. People who once espoused federalism, states' rights, collective decision-making are now turned their positions 180 degrees. Unlike some other people in politics, I won't say 360 degrees because a meaningless term, but 180 degrees. And say that everybody should listen to one voice, one decision maker, one system, one design. And the natural construct of democracy, where a million voices are heard, where inputs from many people, from specialists, from experts, from those affected are taken and only then policy is formulated. We have gone to an extreme kind of single locus of decision making in this country, not envisioned anywhere in the constitution or ever experienced in our history. It is not an accidental outcome that the more those, those aberrations have taken hold, that the outcome economically, in job growth, in development, have been deteriorating. These are two sides of the same coin. There is a reason the constitution is designed the way it is. There is a reason that democracy calls for debate, for review, for input, for a social concept around decisions. The minute you decay that, the minute you deteriorate that, Maybe for a short while, you can keep a perpetual machine running 
that makes it look like there's growth, there's jobs, there's development. But after that is not possible. In our case, the machine stopped very early. It stopped as early as 2016 after the disastrous demonetization. So now we find ourselves in a situation where increasing concentration of power, subjugation of institutions, destruction of independence in the functioning of institutions is accompanied by worsening outcomes in people's lives, in their futures, in their economic circumstances, in their progress, in the country's progress. Unfortunately, LIC as a company and the sector of insurance has been an extreme case of the affection or the effectiveness or the impact of this phenomenon that I talk about, this divergence. It is a time of great change. There were profound questions whether there was actually any equity holder in a mutual society where anything could be sold to a third party. Is there anything to actually IPO? Are there shares? Is there an equity holder who is independent of the mutual policy holders? Anyway, those things were not debated to the full. Actions have been taken. Now we find that the IPO has led to some unexpected outcomes, market valuations. Rightly so, as multiple people have mentioned to me here, and as the speaker before me listed, the careers and futures of many of your members are subject to greater uncertainty than ever before. But as difficult as the situation is, the two things you must always remember. First, that change is inevitable. As a young boy who went overseas at the age of 21, it struck me that this two such contrasting worlds could not stay in their own microcosms. And at some point there would be convergence which meant greater globalization, more kind of leveling. And therefore I told a lot of people who were relatively well-paid factory workers in the U.S. where I used to go as a consultant. I said, listen, this won't last. Stop planning now because the world is going to change pretty dramatically. Your children cannot have the life that you have doing the job that you do. Of course, it was right, but it's easier for me to see it because I've come from outside. Anyway, one of the things I learned in life from that, you know, I'm now talking 21, 22, 23 years old, is that change is inevitable. If change is inevitable, then really you have three choices. One is to fight it, to resist it, or to pretend that it's not inevitable. And I think that's kind of the worst case outcome. The second is to realize that change is inevitable and adapt yourself to it and try to figure out how you can flourish in the new order, the new regime. And the most effective and best strategy which I have followed all my life 
is to be the agent of change. If change is inevitable, then you drive the change, you shape the change, you help shape the future. And to the extent you can, I mean, not always is it within your power, but you start working as an agent of change, and then at least you get to have some kind of input into the shape of the future. It's a continuous process, it's not a one-time thing. The second is that uh, no matter how much the change kind of affects individuals, it is the collective strength that protects you if you want to fight some kind of unfair or unjust or authoritarian um, design. So in that sense, the more there is change, the greater the need for you all to work together, to continue to operate as one unit, to increase your internal discussions, your collective decision-making, and adapt at least or shape at best the future that you're going to see. I know there are also other concerns about the rate of GST on insurance services and uh, insurance policies. I have long advocated that risk management of people is as essential in economic progress as any other. As hard as it is to lift somebody from one strata to another through education, through work, through compensation, it is even harder to keep people there because normally there's unforeseen events or risk or even foreseen expenses like big weddings or big educational spending that drops people. And that is what a good society should prevent or try to prevent from happening, that people who proceed should not get dropped back because of events. So in that sense, the insurance industry, the nature of insurance products is crucial to progress and one could argue that uh, it should be taxed accordingly and not as a high-end service provided only to relatively wealthy people. But anyway, there's a lot to be said. There's a lot going on in the GST regime. In some ways it has structural weaknesses that many, including me, have been pointing out that are now coming more in focus and becoming crystal clear based on Supreme Court decisions, based on certain actions. It is a loosely held together design and it's starting to kind of show its limitations. The system is starting to shape. So who knows which way that will go. Again, I hope that as a member of the council, I will have some role, some hand in shaping its future, but we'll try. In any event, let me uh, leave you with a positive note that as much change as there is, you know, you have already shown your resilience. You have shown that you can stick together for 67 years and you have shown that you can thrive and overcome many changes in regime, many changes in politics and policy. So I have no doubt that going forward, this organization and all of you who make this organization will collectively find a way to not just survive but thrive 
in whatever the future shape of this industry and all the companies will be. And whatever we can do on behalf of my Chief Minister, our government, uh, we're happy to do that. With that, um, let me thank you again for this gracious invitation. I apologize, I came a bit late and I have to leave a bit early. And that you have a lot of fun at this event and a lot of uh, comradeship. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Bye.